Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we return to our roots as we are joined by one of the OGs here at Cracked Rackets. I could sincerely argue we would not get to do what we do today without the embrace of so many different people throughout the course of the years, but in particular, the love we received from Petros Risokos, the former NCAA singles champion, team champion, while at Wake Forest early on. That just offered us legitimacy in the eyes of so many in the college tennis universe. And that's why it was such a thrill to have Petros back on the show today to catch up with him, talk about not only his exceptional collegiate career, but of of course, discuss some of the newer developments in his life. He recently launched Elite Sports Scholars Agency, excuse me, Elite Scholars Sports Agency, which tries to help place prospective collegiate athletes with the proper programs across the country. Of course, he also talks about transitioning to pro tennis. And yeah, of course, we get into some story time from his days at Wake Forest as well. Case in point, it's an exceptional conversation that I know you Cracked Rackets fans are going to enjoy. Of course, before we get to it, shout out to our friends at Swing Vision. Remember to have access to the best artificial intelligence technology in tennis ground. Download the Swing Vision app today. Use our promo code CRACK20 to let them know we sent you there. But with that said, let's get to it. A banger of an episode with the one and only Petros Risokos. Hey, Crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Crack Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link to get signed up? Just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision.
Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows. Of course, most of you listeners will know him as the 2018 NCAA singles champion. He also won the team title that year at Wake Forest. Of course, we know him here at Crack Rackets as one of the greatest of all time here on this podcast. Some have argued there would be no Crack Rackets in 2022 without this man embracing <laughs> all of our nonsense early on. Of course, you all know him as my good friend, Petros Frisokos. Petros, welcome back to the show. It's been far too long. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. Oh my God. That was probably one of the best introductions <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have ever heard. <laughs> I'm so hyped. I'm so hyped now. Yeah, um, no, it's great I'm, to I'm, have you. It is wonderful to be back. Uh, it is always a great Great time to be on the podcast. I had so much fun last time. I'm not sure if we did this uh, once or twice or more times than that, but um, I, I vividly remember uh, you being at National Indoors and me and Barr doing that uh, over the head kind of uh, game. So that's such a vivid memory for me. And I think without you uh, personally, college tennis would not be anywhere near where it is today. It wouldn't be so fun to watch and listen uh, to everything you say and commentate it. And I think so many people got inspired from you. And I think a lot more people are doing it because of you. And you should keep it up because we love <laughs> listening to you. <laughs> and uh, thank you for the introduction. Yes, it's great to be back. And uh, oh, God, do I miss college tennis, man. Yeah, no, well, we can stop the podcast there. That's all I needed from you. Just a little yeah. bit of flattery. Yeah, we're good to go. So thank you for joining yeah. us. No, thank I you, mean, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sincere when I say that without you particularly early on embracing what we were doing, none of this would have happened. And you allude to that 2019 National Indoors. That was our first really on-site venture at Crack Rackets. And it's a credit to, you know, it always helps when the best player in college tennis is willing to do all of the content things you want to do because then no one else has an excuse not to do it. I'm like, look, Petros was willing to do it. Do you think you're better than that? And at the time, you know, none of them could say, yes, I do think I'm better than that. So sincerely, I appreciate all of that. And yeah, I mean, look, I, the college tennis universe is the gift that keeps on giving. And with that in mind, we got a bunch of things to talk about here on today's show. But one of them is a new venture you are undertaking. And that's the Elite Scholar Sports Agency. I turn things over to new, you now. Tell me about this latest venture, how it relates to college tennis. That's right. So uh, just to explain to everyone, uh, right when I was about to graduate from Wake Forest back in 2019, um, you know, I obviously loved my uh, time there, my experience and everything there was to college tennis and, um, you know, people that know where I'm from. Cyprus is not particularly very uh, famous for sending, you know, uh, great tennis players and all athletes in general in, in America. Uh, kids that come from my place, they see America as this amazing place and a dream to play. Uh, so I figured I should start helping uh, athletes and in particular tennis players uh, to get to America with hopefully and eventually uh, big scholarships so they can play and represent their teams, um, you know, and improve the culture and whatnot. So I decided back in 2019 to do this 
um, as uh, on the side. So it wasn't anything official back then. I was obviously still studying and playing professional. Um, and then for those who don't know, uh, after 2019, I was called in the U.S. Uh, in the Cyprus Army. So I had to do. I had to come back and do the military. And so I, I didn't really have the time to an effort to put into this uh, officially. But then uh, it's been now a year or more than that I officially started um, this based in Cyprus. Uh, obviously, the LLC um, is filed here in Cyprus, and the whole company and everybody working is is from Cyprus and in Cyprus. So <laughs> it's a Cyprus-based company, and we try to help uh, kids uh, from all over the world, really. I've had um, I've had kids basically, uh, as far as, you know, the UK, I've had a kid from Malta, um, Greece, uh, but mainly it's Cyprus just because I'm from here. Um, and yes, this started as an inspiration when I was in college. And, um, I, I'm not really one of those huge and big agencies that are out there. Obviously those guys have, you know, the budget and, and economies of scale, they can scale pretty, pretty easily, but. The difference here is um, because I know how the college game is played and I pretty much met every single coach there is, um, especially in the upper levels, um, I focus a lot on culture. The reason why I do that is I don't necessarily take every single kid that comes to me and needs help. Um, the reason being is that I need to know who you are as a player, as a person, uh, you know, how much you like tennis, uh, what are you going to do with your life? And then if we sit down and have a sincere discussion about if I think you can help the culture of the team that you are eventually going to go, um, then we can talk further about helping you. Uh, the reason why I do that is because I don't want to send anybody uh, to any coach that I trust or you know, the coach is going to trust me with a specific player and then the coach is not going to come back and tell me, who is this dude or this girl that you sent us? And, you know, they're being, uh, you know, uh, being lazy and being, not being on time. I don't want to deal with that. Right. I want to, and me knowing you, you knew me back in the day when I was playing yeah. culture was, I was big on culture, right? I cared about players and, and my teammates, especially wanting to win. I cared about being on time in practice, giving everything you had in practice. So um, if, if my players that I sent um, don't, translate that on the court i don't want you as a client because i'm obviously not doing this for money um obviously what a uh convenient thing to say but i'm all, <laughs> i'm truly not because if i if i want it i could scale this and and just basically get everybody that i want it and i could but that's not the point um and uh yes i do want to tell kids that um, culture and the coach is probably the most important thing uh, that you're going to have to deal with in college. Um, and yes, that's that's basically what I'm all about. No, it's fascinating. And, you know, to follow up on some of those questions, I'm curious as it relates to you, because, you know, you were a top 20 ITF junior, and I'm sure there were plenty of opportunities outside of just Wake Forest. I know we've talked about some of them in the past here on this show, but that recruiting process and getting uh, kids, I guess, to believe in the college tennis pathway. Have you mm -hmm. found that to be pretty easy in your adventures so far? Uh, it, it, to be honest, it hasn't been easy. 
And the problem is there is still a misconception out there uh, in the ITF world, especially that college tennis is for quote unquote, not lo- I wouldn't say losers, but the people that, you know, players think they didn't make it into the pro tour yet, but that's the key word yet, because there are just so many examples year after year that players uh, go to college, obviously the ones who make the right choice uh, for them uh, to thrive in college, they end up going and destroying some of the pro tour, right? I mean, we've seen, what's the latest? A Ben Shelton, for example. I mean, the guy has just, you know, improved and basically killing everybody in his way. Um, However, I have kids where, let's just say, they were at Ben Shelton's level back in the day before he even, you know, um, explodes when he was ITF and even before that. And they're telling me I'm going to go professional and they can't even qualify for futures or win a professional point in the futures tour. Right. And I'm, I'm just sitting there and explaining to them that if you cannot win futures on a consistent level and then get to the challenger level as quickly as possible, because you don't want to be playing futures for like four or five years, you're going to get burned down. Right. Especially if you start at 18, you don't go to college, you don't go to college at 18. If you've been playing for five, six years in the futures, you're going to be 23. You're probably going to be burned out. Um, and I'm not sure if you have a sponsor. Hopefully you do. Uh, and then move on to the challenger level, which is the toughest transition to, to make from challenges to the ATPs. You're going to probably spend three, another three, four years there. And you're 27 and you've been playing for 10 years. You haven't made a dime. Right. So my way of thinking is, uh, why don't you do what these kids are doing, which they're way better than you at younger ages. So, uh, you know, you can take, I don't know, from Ben Shelton, you probably know a lot more players than I do, but, um, you know, Sam Riffis and Ben Shelton, Nuno Borges. I mean, every, all these guys are killing it, right? So um, I, I, it's, it's tough to explain. You got to have, you, I have to sit down and have sincere conversations with some of these kids. But at the end of the day, uh, it's it's their dream to play professional and they only think it is possible if you go to the pro tour right away they haven't been convinced unfortunately with all these examples that we have from past players current players and probably future players that college tennis is the excellent you know pathway and transition to professional tennis and i mean i see from my example i was 17 18 whatever i was 400 in the world which is a a respected ranking for 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 such young age and then i still decided to go to college because i thought all right when i'll be 22 23 i'll be way more mature if i choose the right college i'll probably be a way better player hopefully i can find some budget on the side for (laughs) in those four or five years right and then i'm going to attack the tour right when i'm there and if the college is the right fit for you and the coach cares about your development as a player. They're also going to encourage you to play pro tour- tournaments while you're there and then help you play after you graduate. So it's it's a whole it's a whole thing, but I, I'm not sure why kids, um, you know, are so hesitant to even go try because some of them I, I recommend, why don't you go try for a semester or a year? If you don't like it, go home. 
that's also an option. So, um, yeah, there's all, all these little things that you have to try to convince them, but the, the sane ones go to college. Let's just say that. (laughs) No, very fair. And, you know, to your point, I think there are 13 guys with college ties who are going to get direct entry into the Australian open in 2023. And it's like 38 of them will get into either the main draw or qualifying. And obviously that's a pretty good place for college tennis to be. When you look back at your career, I mean, how can you regret the choice to go to Wake Forest? National title, national indoors title, multiple NCAA national indoors finals. You win an NCAA singles championship. You finish most career singles wins, and I think second in all-time singles and doubles wins. Just listing the accolades, by the way, in case our (laughs) listeners have forgotten. And believe me, we're going to get into that a little bit later. But, um, you know— As you look back at your recruiting path, because it's so fascinating to hear you talk about that cultural component, Mm -hmm. clearly, Tony, Wake Forest, that worked for you. But was that something you considered in your initial recruiting process? And, you know, when you were going to campuses, hey, where did you go and what were you looking for? What do you think you know better? Like, what would you look for now versus what you looked at for then? That's a great question, actually. Uh, For those for those uh, you know listeners that don't know, I actually never visited any school, and I didn't even know what Wake Forest looked like when I signed that piece of paper. So Tony Bresky did an excellent job at keeping me for himself, uh, pretty much, and not sharing. You know, I obviously know so much more now than I did when I was like eighteen. Um, but that is Tony Bresky doing his job, right? I mean, uh, you gotta be a, a little bit of a of a businessman and 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 know where to bet on and 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 how to keep you know your recruits close to you and keep them for yourself. But um, there are so many things uh, that I would look for now. I obviously wouldn't care about you know what most kids care about today, like how does the campus look, how's the weather, um, how many courts are there. You know, there I I do believe there is a different class of players that. Um, you know, don't necessarily care about those things. If you take the best recruits in the country, um, for example, when I was there, I remember, you know, no, Ruben was there the year before me. Uh, Ty went to uh, UVA and Sorolan went to UVA. Blomberg went to UNC. I think this type of players and this class of players, they cared about tennis development for the most part and caring about, you know, the coach, and having go into a great team that can have good results, that's pretty much it. I doubt that there's a player at that caliber that cared about, you know, uh, parties and how big the campus was, you know, because yeah. these players could go pretty much anywhere they wanted. So it would basically come down to, is the tennis good? Can I play tennis here? Is, is my tennis going to get better over four years? And am I going to have fun? Um, now, you could say that uh, there are, probably so many more schools than Wake Forest that you can actually like have fun. But have, having fun was not my uh, cup of tea. I cared about going to a school where I could develop my tennis. They obviously had the 250 ATP tournament, which is a huge plus because we got wild cards into qualities and main draw. And I wanted no distractions whatsoever. So there's not pretty, there's not like a, a huge nightlife, you could say, or downtown in Winston-Salem. Sure. It's pretty, it's pretty low key. Uh, you know, if you go to University of Miami, obviously you're going to have a great time, Pepperdine and UCLA and all that. So I cared about tennis specifically. And 
I want to work with players that mostly care about tennis. Obviously, I'm going to take into consideration if you know players aren't as serious about tennis as I was, because I obviously had the level to also play professional and keep it pretty high and play challengers and all that. But some players might not want that. And, and that's very, um, you know, I have to be respect, respectful uh, as to what they want. Um, but yes, I think tennis and having a good coach and caring about the culture should be the number one, two, and three. And then after that, talk to me about the weather, talk to me about the <laughs> campus and all that. But I don't think a serious tennis player um you know, should care about anything else other than those things. Yeah. I always say someday, should I want to propose to someone to become my wife, I will have Tony Bresky make the pitch. <laughs> no one says no to Tony, right? It's like, no, but yeah, it's tough. You call in Mariana Rivera. It's time to bring in the closer. It's just like, yeah, Tony, <laughs> you're going to make this pitch yeah. and then I know it's going to work. Um, yeah. No, because it's interesting to talk up. you hear you talk about that relationship player to coach as a college tennis player is the coach of your team the person you spend the most time with during your four years um that's who it was for me and and you know obviously other than my teammates that's who it was for me because I realized if you want to have a healthy culture Mm -hmm. and somebody that can connect the players to the coach and somebody that could listen to players concerns and translate that to the coach in a nice way and vice versa, the coach could come to me and say, what do you think about that, about the lineup? What do we do about this situation? Uh, what's happening? You know, and the locker room talk that it's, you know, between the players and all that. stuff. So I cared about having a nice harmony between these two uh, components of college tennis, which I think is very important. Trust me, you'll be so surprised if you hear um, how much drama there, there could be between you know play this player and this coach, and if one player is is not happy with a coach, it's going to come down to the locker room. It's going to ruin matches. Um, you know, players aren't going to play for the team. It's just a domino effect. So I think, um, and 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 to be fair, not every player, uh, not every player's role is that. I chose to be that. Uh, because I wanted to. I I felt pretty good doing it. I was good at it. So, uh, you know, Tony Bresky trusted me with being that guy. I was not that guy from day one, obviously. I When I was a freshman, we had a captain and senior players. But during my, from second to third year, and then on to my senior, I, um, you know, I was more active in that role. But I do think that um, players should care about that and having a great relationship with the coach. Because at the end of the day, even if you're not the captain, even if you're not a senior, you know, whenever you have a problem, you're going to the coach. Whenever you have a concern, you can talk to the coach. If there's anything wrong with your tennis, you talk to the coach. Anything personal, uh, you talk to the coach. Not all coaches would love that, but, um, you know, Tony did. So I, I took advantage of that. Yeah, no, certainly. And, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot here because I know you want to work with Please all do. sorts of coaches. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Well, then, because it's not one style fits all. Like, just exactly. names. 
I know the this the programs I know best. You know, there's an energy to playing at the University of Michigan. Steiny wants his guys to be loud. He wants them to engage with one another. That's not for everyone. Similarly, if you go down to Columbus, if you want tennis 24/7, Ty Tucker is going to give it to you. If you don't like tennis 24/7, yeah. maybe not. That's not the program for you. I'm curious. I mean. Because I don't think one style is necessarily more successful than any other. I'm curious if you feel that way as well. What are the styles that appeal to you? Um, me personally, I think the individual approach that we had at Wake Forest worked best for me, right? Uh, if you put me in the Ohio State culture, I don't know what would happen, Um Obviously, for somebody to go to Ohio and buy into the culture, um, it's it's lovely to see. It's great to see that you know Ty um, has created over the years. I mean, it's been so many years that guy has been at the top. It's nobody can say that program is not successful, and his way of style is not working. It is obviously working, and he has produced some of uh, the greatest players of all time in college, including JJ Wolf and and Torp, and back in the day, uh, he had, I forgot his name. Uh, Blas, he played Rola, in the U.S. of course. That's right. Or like, Rola, even the so- lesser extent, like the Kevin Metkas of the world, or the Chris Diaz, yes. who, like, yes. you yes. wouldn't have been top 10 juniors, but boy, were they very good college players. Yeah, so so in a personal level, I would prefer the more individual style okay. that we have, the more quiet down, low-key. However, when I work with players, because I know the coaches so well, I, I'm, I'm, at a position where I can explain them, hey, listen, if you go here, that's that's how it's going to look like for you. If you go this school, this is more the style of the coach. Which one do you like? And the reason why I want to get to know my players and not have this soulless, you know, agency where I'm just using a system to find scholarships and based on UTR and stuff like that is because if I know that you don't like you know, a loud team where it's super energetic, you want it more laid back. I'm obviously not going to send you to a, a tight tucker Ohio State team. If I know that I have a, I have a, you know, uh, Liam Draxel uh, type of guy, which he went to Kentucky and he's obviously having uh, a great time there. He could be part of that um, sure. team, right? If Liam Draxel was at Wake um, stylistically and, I'm only talking about my team when I was there, right? Uh, sure. In 2016 to 19, maybe he wouldn't fit in as well. Obviously, we um, kind of follow each other's steps, right? I mean, if, how Borna was, you know, playing in a scander and me. So we were loud at times. It's not like we yeah. weren't, but um, it's. I think it's just a different style. But players kind of uh, mold into different styles as they grow up as well. You you know, I had a different. I was much quieter. I feel like when I was a freshman than a than a junior. So uh, you develop as a player too. I prefer individualistic, quieter styles. But uh, I love watching uh, Ty Tucker. You know, I love watching those Ohio State against Michigan. Uh, it's just. Lovely, one of the best college tennis experiences anybody's ever going to get. So uh, depends who you ask, I guess. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating to hear. And again, your knowledge of each of the different cultures, I'm sure, is what is extraordinarily helpful for all these prospective student-athletes. And with that in mind, if there's a player who is listening to this podcast or a parent who says, hey, I would love for my kid to be able to potentially pick Petros's mind. What is the best way for people to get involved with Elite Scholar Sports Agency? 
The best way is that I've, uh, I have two Instagram accounts. Obviously, one of, is my personal one, which I'm also, uh, you know, not to, not to brag at anything, but just for people to know, it is the verified one, just so, uh, you know, uh, listeners and, and Instagram users know where to contact me. It's, I have the personal one, which is the verified one. Uh, that's one way. And then I have another way, Elite Scholars Agency on Instagram, which is a, uh, another page I have. Um, both work for me if, uh, you know, they send a DM or an email. I have uh, a WhatsApp, I think, on there too. So any, any, uh, any way works. I also have a website, Elite Scholars uh, Agency.com. So I have more information on there as well for those people who want to get more info on how we work. I have the process on there. Um, and then uh, I obviously have a free consultation. I can sit down with any player, any coach, um, and any parent that's interested in helping their players uh, or their kids. And I can um, explain to them what I what do I do. And it doesn't matter how long um, it lasts. It's a free consultation. I explain everything. Um, and then they decide um, on what to do and if they want to work with me um, afterward. So this is basically the process. And uh, I try to keep my players uh, in, in small numbers. Again, I'm not trying to uh, become a, this conglomerate business of uh, it's, it's, it's not going to work. I, I'm not going to be as successful as placing students in the right uh, colleges. Um, and uh, yes, yes, that's basically it. No, I love to hear it. And by the way, NCAA singles champion, you should be verified for what it's worth. It's not a humble brag. It's just a <laughs> yeah. fact. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, well. yeah, I love to hear it. And I will say this uh, personally. I mean, this is how we can transition. I always say because I wasn't I mean, I was watching from afar, but streaming what it was. It wasn't what it once was. And I wasn't quite in the loop like I was in 2019. When people ask me who's the greatest college tennis player I have ever seen, I always say it's 2019 Petros Frisokos. Even though that's not the year you won wow. the NCAA singles <laughs> championship because I will – like to my dying day, I think mm-hmm. like, you guys, National Indoor Chicago, 4-3. You see, we're getting into it now here, folks. Again, yeah. Elite Scholar Sports Agency, you can go follow <laughs> it. But UCLA – quarterfinals 4-3 you win your match I think you played who um maybe it was Nanda I want to say you win that match yeah yeah. pretty closely and I swear to God you also knocked out Slokian and got Melios the win on that day (laughs) like watching how visceral that was was an amazing experience to me and I, I am oh sorry go ahead no, I was I was just gonna say I'm not sure if I mentioned that in a previous podcast, but I don't know if you know what happened there. No, so give uh, me the story. This is great for those that don't know. Wake Forest that yeah. year makes the national indoor finals. You win that match four three. Comes down to court number four. Talk me through yes. what's going on. So I'll take you a little bit further back to explain the context okay. of what was going on. So we we pl- we're playing UCLA, and um, I I was feeling it. 
uh, I was playing great, you know. And, yeah, you and, were. Uh, Let's just yeah, let was- the record show. You beat Nanda. It was just like when you won that first set 6-1, it was a shot to say, because I think you guys dropped the doubles point, if memory serves yeah, me we correct. Did. Yeah, we and did. And it was like, all right, like, that's why I say 2019 version of you is the best, not to cut you off. But it's because I just remember this look in your face like, guys, we're not f-ing losing to UCLA. Like, get it yeah. together. Like, you literally looked at Melios and you're like, dude, you're not losing, okay? Yeah. Yeah, so and so, so give it to me. So yeah, I, I I you know on a side note, I feel like my contribution when I was not playing the match uh, goes uh, you know a long way. I I feel <laughs> like people don't fans that watch college tennis. I feel like they don't really know some of the side stories and and inside stories that happen between players and coach. So what so basically what happened was. Um, we lost the doubles point. I don't exactly remember all the other scores in the matches, but, um, you know, Melios was losing and Bresky uh, eventually noticed that it's going to come down to that. Uh, like we needed Melios' m- match. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, he came to me, and I can swear, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, he, he, he said, you better f- finish fast because you got to get you because you got to get there and make your boy win. And, and, and I'm sitting there, I'm still playing the match, right? I'm still playing Nanda. I still got to f- focus and, 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 and like get my f- together so I can win that match. So I'm like, oh, sh- Melios needs me because that guy had momentum. He was, you know, a breakup or whatever. So I had to finish my match quick and then get, get to next door and kind of cheer my boy up. So we don't lose that match. So I, no pressure, right? <laughs> so 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 I had to finish my match, and and I, you know, I was on a roll. I, was, I had momentum. I finished the match quick, and I, and I get there, and I'm like, dude, we're not losing to UCLA. There's just no way. You gotta get your together. Um, and he was honestly not playing great, and something switched. I don't remember. I think uh, it came down to the last court, I think, and then when we were all there. Uh, usually Melios uh, at that time was not great on the deciding matches, right? Because obviously uh, not many players are, you know, naturally clutch. Uh, some, you know, people, the, the pressure gets to them. And, and I was like, oh boy, I don't want this match to come to the deciding match because me- I know Melios might not deal with it very well. And it's a different match if you're in the regular season and it's another one if you're in a tournament. So different type of pressure. You know you're getting knocked out if you lose. So um, I'm like, dude, forget about everyone, right? We cannot lose to UCLA. Get your together and I want you to win this match. And over time, I think the pressure got to the other kid. Uh, I don't remember his name. What was his name again? It was Solokian, right? Solokian, right? That's right. Yeah. So so he ended up winning and then Bresky came back to me and he's like, Dude, thank you so much. Can you do that every time? And I'm like, Tony, I'm like, Tony, I can't win every match in like 45 minutes and then go on and cheer my guys, right? It's not going to happen. So, um, th- you know, thankfully it happened there. And I, I, I think, you know, me finishing fast and yeah. going, going next door, I think, helped us get that win. Yeah. No, it's fascinating to hear that exchange. And see, these are the insights. This is why 
in the future, a plan we have at Cracked Rackets, finding a way with Zoom technology to just link up these coaches and be able to turn it on in a coaching session. Because if you were to ask me, describe Petros' performance in that match, it was he was playing to win fast so he could go cheer other people on. It's like, it's exactly <laughs> that. It was as if he was like, look, that was I, it. You, it was like you have 50 minutes to play tennis because then the rest of the time I have to go do these other things. And so it's fascinating to hear that insight. And, you know, it's funny. I get accused of perhaps a little Wake Forest protectionism on the podcast because I always say, well, I just like Melios has played in the big matches. Like I've seen him come through. He comes from that Petro school of like, no, we win these matches. That said, you know, it's interesting. 2019, obviously, you, Borna, Barr all have exceptional seasons. Sid, obviously, as a freshman back then is Sid the kid. Now he's Sid the man, um, you know, was having a great year as well. There were a bunch of pieces to that Wake team. But it felt like, you know, again, you, Borna, Barr in particular, were such a big burden. And I feel like by the NCAA final, again, not to be an ass, but it's all these years later. We can get into it. Do you guys just run out of steam come May? Um... Are you talking about that final final match against Texas? Yeah, it just felt like that match in particular, and even in the national indoors to some extent, there just wasn't like it just took so much effort that there just wasn't a ton of juice left in the tank. I'll uh, I think the final match against Texas, I I took it on myself. I take so much responsibility for losing that match, um, and you know call me an idiot or not, but I, I, I felt like it was my fault that I lost, I lost that match. And, it, and not because I lost the final deciding match to Yuya Ito, which credits to him, he played unbelievable. It was not because we ran out of steam. You could say that maybe Borna's match specifically, uh, you know, he played... Uh, the Blumberg three-hour affair of, yeah, in the semis. Soderlund yeah. on yeah. quarters, Blumberg in semis. I mean, the guy was just dead the reason why i think we lost was and and call me an idiot right uh, but is because when we won that doubles point i did not make sure when we had the 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 you know when we uh circled all in together with the team and i had a quick chat with the boys mm-hmm. i did not make sure that and I didn't emphasize it enough that everybody still has to do their jobs. I felt like I was just so passive, right? And everybody thought, oh, all right, the other guy is going to take care of it. So, for example, the guy, you know, at five, Rezard or uh, Melios thought, okay, Borna's going to take care of it. Borna thought, okay, P is going to take care of it. I thought, okay, Bar is going to take it, right? You can't, you can't do that. So... We didn't bring the heat, not because we were tired. I could blame a little bit, you know, the weather and Borna had three, two, three tough matches in a row. So he's excused in the sense that, you know, he had the three toughest matches, I think, uh, in a row of anybody. Um, and then, uh, fun fact, in that, during that tournament, I think we only won the doubles point on our first round. Well, so that's what I was going to say. It sounds like because – and that year in general, again, not to be an ass, you guys were not good at doubles. Like it was like we we were going to lose the doubles. doubles What do you mean? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so it was like we better – that's why I talk about that burden. It was like, well, we're not going to win doubles. So it's got to be Borna, Barr, Petros, and one more. And like – 
to your guys' credit, it f***ing worked. Like, you found yeah, those four a lot how. of the time. Yeah, and so but, I asked, was, like, was winning the doubles actually a bird? Like, it turns out that was the worst thing that could have happened. See, uh, you know, I'll tell you another uh, quick inside story that the coach, you know, uh, Tony Bresky, uh, for some reason, during that year, you know, our doubles just wasn't very good. So, you know, Tony, every time, you know, we would change up pairs and try to move up the lineup and do different things. And none of none of that worked. Um, I'm not sure if we were just so bad or the other teams were so good, but whatever. We just didn't win the doubles point enough. So Tony decided to change his uh, perspective and say, even before the matches or even after the matches, he said, all right, I don't give a f- if you win the doubles point or not because we're going to win four singles points. So it doesn't matter. Use that as warm-up. Do what you want in doubles. I don't care because I know we're winning four singles. So that uh, you know way of thinking, you could argue that did we waste doubles points? I don't think we wasted them, but we were just so focused and we trusted each other in the singles. Uh, and, you know, we... Again, just like 2018, 2019, we were a powerhouse in singles matches. So um, it didn't really matter that we lost the doubles point. Now, going into the NCAA tournament, uh, we win the doubles point in our first round. And then we lost every single doubles point up to the final. And, you know, we went into that Texas match exactly the same way as we went in the uh, whole year. We said, we don't care if we win the doubles point. We're just going to win four singles, right? So we went on and, and somehow won the doubles point. And I'm like, oh, f- what do we do now? <laughs> so, so instead of four, we need three. That's exactly what, I'm, what I was saying before. Yeah. Instead of just pushing everyone to win four singles, we won that doubles point and everybody thought, all right, we got born at one, Pia two, Bara three. So we're obviously going to win three singles, right? And we went into that way of thinking. And I think that's what got us because Texas played unbelievable at all spots. I think we had some chances of winning some sets in like five, six. I think Rezzy was five something up or whatever. Um, But, you know... (laughs) No, I would yeah. say I don't know if the best team won the NCAA tournament, but the better team on that day was definitely Texas. Like one hundred percent, one hundred. No doubt about that. We got outplayed. Uh, mm-hmm. They had more energy. Um, they they fully undeserved it, right? But uh, I was so freaking pissed after that match. Yeah, I, um, I think I didn't even. <laughs> I think I didn't even stay for the ceremony or something. I just. <laughs> I was so pissed. I just. Yeah. No, I can only imagine what that's like, and I am curious because. 2018, you guys win the indoors, you win the NCAA tournament, you win NCAA singles. By the way, you do it all at home as well as NCAA is hosted at Wake Forest for what it's worth. We'll always have a near and dear place in my heart because it's the first NCAA tournament (laughs) I ever attended in person. Um, But I'm curious for you because 2018, yes, you were a junior. At the same time, you know, no one's going to deny what your role was in getting that team over the finish line. That said, that felt like that one was for Skander, right? That one was for Christian. Those were the guys who like had sacrificed all the things and were there through the Ruben days and the true rise of Tony mm-hmm. Bresky at Wake Forest. That said, 2019, you know, you're the guy, which we had a conversation we have on our podcast, the guy in college tennis, who's the one everyone's chasing. And you are that guy in 2019 and you guys are at the top of college tennis. 
I'm curious how the two experiences differ for you and which team like I I mean which team I guess which team wins 18 versus 19 they play oh wow that's a great I never thought about that I would I would think I would think 2018 probably are you are you asking which team wins as in my favorite or which wins in a, on a tennis court I mean, you can, I ask, I'm Top asking both. both. I'm asking both. Yeah, I'm, they're oh, both boy. good questions. <laughs> I dug a hole there for yeah. myself. Um, let, let me, okay. I think uh, the team that wins is definitely uh, 2018. Uh, not because we didn't win in 2018. That also plays a big part of it. But the fact that I think we were pretty good in doubles in 2018 as well, um, which helps secure that one point. And then you could pick who's going to win the other three singles matches between, you know, uh, preferably the first four. And we had some decent uh, appearances in, at five, six. Uh, now, w- which one is my favorite? Oh man, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't know. Cause I grew up with Skander. And I didn't have him there for my final uh, year. Um, I obviously uh, had three full years with him and uh, we had a blast. And, you know, we back in the day, we weren't that good. So we, we, you know, climbed up together, uh, even in doubles. We used to be ranked number one. We won that um, fall championship tournament. So it's a tough one. It's I I will not let you put me in the middle of this. I'm not going (laughs) to respond to that question. I plead the fifth and we move on to the next one. Yeah, that's fair. No, I I mean, I can't. So let me ask you this then. Who's better at at college tennis? Petros Risokos with or without hair? Uh, With. Oh, good question. Because I think shaved head you might have been the difference. Yeah. I don't know. Which one do you think I look most scary? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, so I'm going to answer this question unexpectedly. You're scarier with the hair to me because I was used to shaved head you by the end where it was like, no, it's just, okay. the, you know, the slicked out assassin where, again, 50 yeah. minutes, put it on the clock, let's go. Um, yeah, yeah. I, so that's why it's it's like a, it's like a, I was going to make a Dragon Ball Z reference. It's like Majin Buu final form. You found your final form. Fair enough. Okay, I see. I see. I think I it felt more comfortable without the hair. I also okay. felt more mature. <laughs> so, so I think it, it gave me. You know, my teammates used to, uh, you know, joke about it. If I had no hair, it made me run faster. So, um, <laughs> dur- during my, I think my final year, I had it. I had it shaved, and it and it worked. So I'll take no hair. I'll take yeah. no hair. Well, I'm curious. The reason I bring that up in to form this into a serious question is, you know, you walked on campus and you were one of the 10 best players in college tennis. Now, 2018 was the season that you win the NCAA singles tournament. I'm curious because you alluded to this earlier when talking about, obviously, your new venture. Do you feel 2019 Petros was a better player than 2018 like in what ways did you actually progress tennis wise in each of these seasons because again if you look at it just surface level you see a ton of success throughout what actually got better in your game I would say that when we played in 2018 we had a mission from the start to finish and I had a mission uh, as a player uh, to be the best version of myself to play the best tennis as I can to help my team win everything. In 2019, I think what changed was I realized that I was leaving. 
I realized I was graduating. So there, there was a nostalgic feeling that, all right, this is it. So I think naturally I became more mature and, you know, my tennis, you could argue didn't change much and, and didn't improve a lot, but I did uh, mature as a player to help my other teammates get better. So I, I focused on more helping them, um, you know, get through their matches and, you know, help them practice and be more disciplined during practice and be in time. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say I improved a lot as a player, but I did transition to a more big brother father figured. Um, and, you know, I realized my time there is finite. I'm going to, I'm going to eventually graduate just like Scandler because when I was a junior, uh, my place to go was Scandler in many ways, right? In the player's locker. Now, I'm the Scander that people come to, right? In 2019. So, I better get my shit together, right? So, um, there, there, was more, there was more room to mess around in 2019, uh, 18 as a player. And in 19, uh, I was a more, um, you know, big brother figure. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say my, my tennis changed. Obviously, you know, even in college tennis and even in the higher levels, the margins are just so freaking small. Um, we see players from college or ranked outside the top 300. They can beat the guys at top 200 and even top 100. So the margins are so small. The fact that we had such a successful year and I had such a successful year in, in singles, you could argue it's like it could have been a deuce point here or there. Right. I mean, I had, you know, very close calls with uh, Redlicki in the semis of NCAAs. Even Borna had such I think Borges had match points against Borna in the semis of the other semifinals. So, you know, it, it, margins are so small. So I, I, I yeah, it's, yeah. No, <laughs> it's well, a crazy it's, sport. Eh? Yeah, no, it's fascinating to hear that because, again, when I describe your game, I would say it's just one shot better than you. It's just like I, you know, again, it's not to say, you know, when those feet get together, you're hitting the slider out wide on the deuce. You know, I always like that, <laughs> Petros. And yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. you can crank the forehand with the best of them. But I would all, you know, what makes Petros an outstanding player? He's just going to pull that trigger up the line one shot before you do, or he's going to make that decision. And it sounds like, and again, this isn't the most tangible thing because hold percentage, break percentage, those sorts of things might have stayed constant throughout your four years. But is it that maturity of playing through the deuce points of being like, okay, I need to, uh, you sort of described it as finding the best version of yourself off the court. Is that development during the four years as valuable in your opinion as any, you know, taking another step serve wise, forehand wise, whatever it may be? Yeah, I think the technical part of tennis, I think, uh, you know, along with the coach and obviously we had Tony Bresky and Christopher Eaton, cannot credit them enough. You know, those uh, people, as far as what we do and, you know, the every step we take and the techniques and the tactics on court, they take um, all the credit. And obviously with our knowledge as well, we can improve so much, right? But now outside of the court and how disciplined you are, your energy, your attitude, um, those are things you can control. And we 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 spoke about this so much um, within the team. And I think there's so many components uh, in college tennis and in tennis in general as to what you can improve and what you can do to improve. Uh, but going off what you said before, did I improve a lot 
in 2019 than 18. I wouldn't say much, but I think what helped me funny or not is my reputation that I created in 2018. Most kids that, you know, they would come and play against me, they would be pretty much scared. And I, I could see it in their eyes that they they think they were going in on the court with Roger Federer, right? So yeah, sure. uh, I, could, I could see through that. I couldn't see through that probably in my freshman year, but four years later and having played so many matches and, and, and living uh, pretty much every single college tennis experience that there is, you can see when somebody is, you know, respects you too much is, is, is the, the phrase to use. So that helped me quite a lot and gave me an edge, especially in the beginning of matches, I would say. I think I had one of the best percentages in, in breaking my opponents in the first game they served uh, because they, they weren't, you know, necessarily super ready to play and they made some sloppy mistakes and I was just there. And I waited for that 30, 40 point or deuce point to play on their serve first game. And then, you know, if you break them in their first game, they serve, uh, their, their whole world crumbles, right? So I took full advantage of that. Yeah, no, and, you know, it's fascinating to hear you say that because one of my theories I always have of why I think, in particular now, the best players in college tennis are having such immediate success in the pro world is you just can't fake being the best in the world at something. And it's a small subsect of humans, but like, I will deem you this. In 2019, you were the best men's college tennis player in the world. And the confidence I imagine that imbues in you and just that you have caring moving forward, you can't fake that. And I'm curious as you transition to the pros, and obviously we can talk about the tennis side of things uh, in that transition as well in a second, but having developed that confidence – do you feel that as you set off in your pro career, even if it's at a futures event or a challenger event, does that confidence of like, well, look, I may like this guy is good, but I still know how good my best can be. Does that confidence you gain in college actually translate to the pros? It, it does translate, but I would say that uh, it's it's more of a decision you need to make, right? I mean, explain that. In, to me. in, yes, so it, I would say in college tennis. Right there, there are players who can. There are good players who can thrive, and there are also good players who cannot thrive in in a college tennis environment. However, there are some good players that can thrive in futures, and some good players that can't. Um, the the team aspect of college tennis is very important because what you can find if you look deeper into a player's mindset, and and I'm sure a lot of players are going to uh, understand what I'm saying is that when you have five other players next to you and they are as good, better, or whatever, even if you're a shy kid, your confidence is going to come out because you have a sense of security that those guys are next to you. And even if you lose that match, you can still win the whole tie. So, it, 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 you're still going to be a winner in a, in a losing you know, situation. However, in futures, if you're not truly confident within yourself and you lose that team aspect and there's not five guys next to you anymore, there's no coach to you know, warm you up for an hour before the match and you got to go to court 17 by yourself, get the balls and then call your outlines and have, you, know, you have a referee that makes you know, mistakes and all that, then you will only see the good players that are actually confident 
they'll be also calm within the whole experience. If you see a shy kid that was confident in college, you'll see them crumble in a futures match. Uh, I, I, I'd like to think that at least that's my experience. And it, it, college has helped me so much, not only because I was confident, because I trusted and I improved my abilities to play tennis. And thankfully, because of my career and my accomplishments, you know, I had this sense of players knew who I was in many ways and they knew what I did in college tennis and, you know, they respected me. So that also gives you confidence because if you're just some kid that's coming off out of nowhere, you have to prove how good you are while you're playing. Where I felt when I finished college, I was going to futures tournaments and challengers and people knew who I was. People knew who, how good I was. So I didn't have to prove, you know, in their eyes how good I was. Uh, I just had to perform and play. And if I was good enough on that day, I would win. So there's, the, I feel like different types of, of, of confident players. You obviously have the, you know, the loud ones and, and that keep shouting and all that. But that, that's not necessarily always a confidence uh, vibe. Um, but, uh, at the highest level of college tennis, um, you know, I don't know how many matches you remember Wake Forest against UVA and UNC, uh, at the top, at least at the top of the lineup, you saw some pretty quality matches and the players there, it didn't matter which side you were watching. Both players were very confident and, and, and glad to be there. So, um, that's what I like to remember. And yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's what that's what helped me throughout the throughout the years. For the record, the answer to how many of them do I remember is all of them, Petros. I still remember. <laughs> it's a burden. What's your and favorite one? What's your favorite one? Do you remember? Do you have a favorite? Yeah, one? So I mean, like the ACC. I would like okay. the ACC conference, not to say the whole. The no, whole nation. so so let me be clear. I am biased. I have removed all biases moving forward. I am now Alex Gruskin. Impossible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, go ahead. Here's the thing. I went to Michigan, so that's always going to be a thing, but coaches know that, and to their credit, yeah. most of them, um, shout out to the one, but most of them have embraced <laughs> that fact, and they're like, yeah, you went to Michigan. It's fine. But the reason I got so into college tennis is looking for any sort of tennis highlights on YouTube in the late 2000s, early 2010s, the only thing you ever found were the University of Virginia highlights. And so I inherently became a Virginia fan because that's all I was watching. And it's like, I'm going to root for the team mm -hmm. that I had the chance to watch. It also helped that they were very good. I'll say till my dying day, 2011, Alex Damajan walks into the ATP top 100. If he just turns pro after his freshman year, um, <laughs> the twenty, yeah. It's a rant aside. Yeah. I really like the sequence of the sixteen seventeen Wake Forest UVA ACC championships. How you know Corintelli loses in sixteen, but then they get you guys in seventeen. Uh, those are uh -huh. two like those and and the semifinals with uh, and UNC as well from like twenty sixteen to. 18 because even that Nakashima Soderland Wiersholm team for 18 Virginia was really freaking good. The yeah. ACC those three years were except like I just feel like that had to oh, they were all exceptional matches. Yeah, I would I would go as far as saying the ACC matches that we played against UNC and UVA. I had the most stress uh, <laughs> and anxiety uh, that I had in any matches, even if it was national championship level matches. Uh, just because I felt like I had to beat my neighbor, and if I lost to my neighbor, I would be embarrassed for life. Whereas if I lost to a team in Ohio, 
I wouldn't care as much, right? Um, yeah, sure. Even though the stakes were higher. So they did have such a good team uh, when they had Henrik at six. I mean, what a joke of a lineup. Arguably one of the greatest lineups ever assembled. Um, no, they you know, tanked uh, the regular season match. See, that 2017 yeah. team I'm really defensive of yeah. because I – so uh, my college class is 2017. So like Ty, JC, Luca, that's my high school graduating yeah. class. So like I was like, see, my grade is the best because we win all – we won three national championships. Like clearly we're the most talented because that's how I yeah. think, of course. It's got to be about me. Um, But like, yeah, sorry yeah. to throw that in. That's like the stress or like – so let me ask you this. You get to replay one match. 2017 quarterfinal against UNC or 2019 final against Texas? No, that definitely uh, 2017 UNC. Yeah, because that was like, I, I feel like that one set up, the stinging from that sets up the yeah. next two years. Yeah, yeah. No, that was, that hurt so freaking bad. I <laughs> cannot express I cannot express it enough. I mean, I you just rem, you reminded me of that match, and I'm getting like goosebumps right now. Uh, but but they they you know they had Ronnie. Oh my God, I, they had Ronnie at one. We played a few times with Ronnie, um, and then what was the rest of the lineup? Blum Will played two. two, yeah, which is yeah. a joke because he lost one match. It was the NCAA final against Ty. Yeah. I mean that team was ridiculous. I think it yes. came down to the Boyden match, right? If it, if I remember correctly, that's right. Bo clinches. Boyden at played six five or them. six, right? Six? I, I think six for them. Probably best best six in the country at the time, or something well, like that. Than, or... Other than Henrik, but yes, I would agree. Other with than you. Henrik, yeah. Yeah, but so you look yeah. at that match. You guys drop the doubles for what it's worth. You got you and uh, Spensky lose six two at uh, at three, uh, and then they take two as well. You beat Ronnie. Will beats Borna. Skander gets Kelly. Christian doesn't finish, but Jack b- beats Uspensky two and zero. Boyden six two in the third. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just. I think uh, actually, uh, I, I will say this because what the hell? It's been so many <laughs> years. Uh, um, I think what happened after the match, I think one of the uh, UNC, I'm not sure if he was a player on the team. He might have been, I forget his name. Um, he posted the win on Instagram and then tagged uh, Denis Uspensky, Alan Gadjev uh, on the picture, as in, eat that type of 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 and um Bresky found that picture uh he printed that picture and posted it in every single one of us lockers on on our on our names throughout the locker room and he said at the at the end of that was the end of our season he said this is your motivation for next year just so you know and then he left and and that was it and that was indeed a great motivation for us um that that loss did uh, you know, it was it was horrible, horrible, that, horrible that's, loss. That's exactly the story you need to share all of these years. Again, like, <laughs> you see, that's, that's I feel like there's so many. I got so many of these little stories that nobody knows, but I, I it's so worth it. Oh, Botzer uh, tells me because uh, I love. I mean, Bar is. I feel like Bar is my guy. We relate to uh, you know again. So yeah, it's been so many yeah. years now between the two of us. How much did it hurt to see him win at UVA? Did it hurt or did you feel good? It, it didn't feel good, but it, it didn't hurt as much as you think, right? So, yeah. I mean, I the first, uh, the first thought was, oh, my God, 
what's going to happen next year when UVA plays Wake Forest? That was that was my first thought, right? Yeah. I, I obviously congratulated him, and and you know, um, I told him you're probably going to do very good in the national championship, if not win it, because they had such a good team, um, and they did ended up winning it. So I said. Um, now you're probably a more successful college tennis player than I am because you got two national championships, right? So <laughs> I said, if you win a third, you're gonna ruin my career. <laughs> uh, and, and and you know, I'm I'm still waiting for the season to start. I'm very excited, but I, I don't know. I don't know much about the other teams. Um, but I think UVA is still going to be good, right? No, they're preseason number one. Anyone who listens to minute 59 of this show, I'm going to spoil our preseason top 10. They, I mean, obviously <laughs> they're number one. They bring back five of their six starters. Yeah. I will say I this since we're sharing things. And I told this to Barr's face, so I don't mind telling you. I saw Barr at the National Indoors in February. I saw him at NCAAs in May. He lost 15 pounds between February and the end of the season, Petros. It was actually like you would have been so impressed. It was like the Barr in February loses probably, well, probably 0 0 to 2018 Barr because 2018 Barr could freaking hit a tennis ball. 2019 Really? Barr as well. I didn't yeah. know that. Did he, oh, he, did he, he stop eating much or did he just start working out? Which one is it? The latter. I think it was just like, oh, you wow. know, I'm an MBA student, but hey, we can win NCAAs. Do you mind if I practice a little bit more? Maybe hit the treadmill, maybe skip the burger on yeah. Thursdays. Um, and I mean, just was a monster. Come in. Yeah, boy, that guy knows how to win a match. I mean, the, the experience he has and, and, you know, you know, UVA has a, has a weapon, you know, at, at whatever spot he plays. It doesn't matter where you put him. So I think they have a good shot at, you know, another national title. I hope Wake Forest wins it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I know I know UVA has a, has a pretty solid, um, pretty solid team again. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see in the conference as well what happens. Yeah, no. And I mean, that whole era and I look up and I, I want to try and pull this up now in front of me because I think it's the 2016 NCAA singles championships where if you look at, you know, what the quarterfinals were and how things ended up. Yeah, I have it in front of me here. I don't remember if it was 16 or 17, but, you know, Torp was a top 300 guy. Obviously, you've been a top 400 guy. Ty's been a top 400 guy. Nori has been freaking top 10 in the world. Yeah. Was Mackie there? Mackie's the other one. So it is yeah. this year where you have six guys who have all been, you know, top 400 or better. I guess, you know, as you look back at that era, did you re- like, did it feel as though the level was that high or has it surprised you a bit to see so many of the guys, yourself included, and I want to get back to you, of course, have this level of pro success? I think I wasn't surprised that just by numbers sake, I figured that, you know, at least one or two guys are going to make it, make it. Now, I wasn't expecting Nori to be like, you know, top 10, let make it. But <laughs> but I've been I've been wrong before. Um, uh, I was surprised to see uh, I would I would say uh Vukic do do so well not because i i underestimate the guy i obviously haven't lived it lived him as much as i've lived the others but for for the short period of time that i've watched him in college uh i wasn't that Im- impressed with you know he anyway he's not that jj wolf explosive sure. type of guy right so he he kind of sucks the life out of you slowly and then he eventually developed his game to to be more aggressive and stuff like that so um that just goes to show you why 
players should go to college. It, it shouldn't be, you know, is, am I surprised that, no, I'm not surprised because as I said, uh, you know, the, the, the higher the level of play of tennis you play, you understand that the margins are so small. If I put, you know, even in 2018, if I put JJ Wolf to play, you know, even at that time where he wasn't winning challengers and he didn't make that big jump. If I played him on a good day uh, against some top 200 level guy, I could bet my money on JJ Wolf because I understand his game is so explosive and eventually that guy's going to click. And, and, you know, it, it did click eventually. Same with Torp. Um, Borges, on the other hand, I could see how hard working that guy is. Like, I don't think anybody, him and Borna probably worked the most out of all of the college tennis players combined, right? So I would think, I didn't think he's going to be up there that quickly, but no doubt I would bet my money that that guy eventually is going to make some moves on the ATP tour. So um, I, no, not surprised at all that so many players, uh, obviously surprised with Nori <laughs> that yeah, sure. he did so well, but I, you know, um, I still remember how he beat my ass. Uh, my, I think it was freshman year or something like that. We played at TCU, and he just destroyed me. Um, but um, yeah, what a player! Yeah, no, I mean, you mentioned some other guys like Nuno, Borna Gojo, who obviously he's having some sex success. Just wins his first yeah. challenger title, and you know is working his way up the rankings. I am curious for you. And I know, again, your circumstance specifically has been different. You alluded to it earlier. You know, end of 2019, you win a couple futures titles. You're back inside the top 500. You get called into the Army. Talk to me about that experience, what it's like, and just, again, I, I suppose, are you thinking about tennis at all at that point? How's it go? Yeah, so, so you know, uh, going back a little further just to explain to everyone how it works when you finish uh you know high school when you graduate high school in cyprus by law uh you have to attend uh, uh the mandatory military service uh however in, in you know during my time when i graduated high school i had this amazing offer from wake forest that i couldn't turn down and i couldn't postpone it for two years which was the initial uh, initial um, army time at that time in 2016. So I told the army that, hey, I'm going to go play college tennis. I'm going to graduate in four years. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk again when I uh, return and probably do the army when I get back. So, you know, as, uh, you know, as long as that was settled, I just went on to college and did my thing and then, you know, graduated in four years. Not thinking much about it. I actually thought it was going to be uh, settled and not go in the sure. army. But surprise, surprise, uh, when I got back right before COVID started and all that craziness, um, I, I was called to the army. And I'm like, oh, boy, um, I'm, I'm 23, 24, whatever now. I wanted to play tennis. Um, it's it's my time to play. That is precisely why I went to college um, to, to graduate and play tennis. And now I, I was called in the in the army. So that was not a very pleasant experience for me simply because I was also older than the other soldiers. So I was drafted at 23, 24, where the other kids were 17, 18. So I was, I, I kind of didn't fit there in many ways. Right. Um, you obviously go through the basic training for like a month. Uh, you know, they have to teach you all, all, all that stuff with a gun and, and, and whatnot. And then after the month, 
you get sent, you get assigned to your uh, base or whatever, your military base. They get, you're going to spend your rest of time at that military base. So uh, I, you know, when I was there, we did have some, you know, practice times that you can practice and, and play tennis. You also did have some days that they gave you that you could travel to tournaments, but it was obviously not enough, right? Um, for every day, you know, a, a tennis tournament lasts, what, whatever, a week. Yeah. So that is, that is if, you know, if I played a week in Sharma Sheikh or whatever, that's seven days that they took off. I had something like 60 days for the whole year and a half. So that's basically what, five, six tournaments? Yeah. In a 52-week calendar, it's impossible to play full-time, right? So I lost the majority of my ranking. You know, I played Davis Cup. I was obviously around 350 um, at the time. And then I had some injuries as well. Um, I also lost my mother to cancer during that time. So uh, that was that was a bad, that was just a bad period for me because it, it was everything coming together. Um, my mom, the army, it was also during COVID. Uh, so coronavirus was at, at the peak and tennis was just, uh, it, it seemed very, very difficult, right? Um, plus that you had to find a budget to go play. Um, th there were just so many things happening. And um, along with some injuries, I lost, again, all my ranking. And now I'm more focused in playing for my country in many ways. Um, and at the same time, as I said, helping kids uh, get to college. I'm obviously going to focus on February's Davis Cup. Fun fact, we played Tunisia, playing against my best friend Skander. Uh, okay. So it's going <laughs> so to be a fun time. We played, we played before, uh, I think, uh, four or five years ago in Cyprus, and we lost to Tunisia. So I'm coming back for revenge if Skander is, is, is listening. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, I'm going to focus on, on, on the country obligations, Mediterranean Games, Commonwealth Games, uh, Davis Cup, small states of Europe. Uh, and all that stuff. And I'm obviously going to play some professional tournaments to keep myself fit at the time. Um, and then wait and see. Maybe, you know, later on in my life, um, there's this fire that could come back and, sure. um, you know, attack the tour full time again. Uh, but who knows? Yeah. So are you still, are you still are within your service? You're still serving? No, no. So yeah, okay. sorry. I, I completely got, uh, no, uh, no, no, not at all. You know, car curious. Carried away. No, please. Yeah, so I finished, yes, I finished my military service. Uh, it's been a few months now, so okay. it's, uh, it was quite recent. Uh, okay. and now, um, you know, uh, as by law, when you finish the military service, you get called twice or three times a year as okay. a reserve soldier because they have to keep calling you back once or twice just to keep basic training. Um, you know, they don't want you to be uh, away for 10 years. And then if anything happens, uh, you don't know what's going on. Uh, so that's what's going on right now in terms of the army. Um, thankfully, I've finished it. And then uh, hopefully better things are ahead. Yeah, no, I'm very happy to hear that as well. Hopefully we all miss seeing you week in, week out on tour. And so you mentioned it, the team games. I saw you played, you know, quarterfinals at the start of the month. Went and played a future you mentioned focusing on the, the team events, playing for your country. 
do, will you be playing more frequently in 2022? Yes, are you going to get I will, back I will after be, it? I will be, yes, I will be playing more tournaments, obviously, because I want to mm-hmm. uh, stay fit and sane to play more sure. tournaments. Because you know, it, tennis is a is a, a game of habit. If you if you leave it, it's going to leave you, as we say here. So sure. um, if you quit playing, and it's it's very difficult to get back into the game. Um, and Thankfully, I got the Davis Cup coming up in February, which is pretty soon. We have all the boys that uh, are coming back now. Melios is back in Cyprus. Okay. Uh, we're gonna start training, uh, you know, until he goes back, mm-hmm. back to Wake. I think beginning of January because they're gonna start the, you know, the season there. Uh, so yeah, we gotta get everybody ready and most importantly healthy, yeah. uh, and face Tunisia in February because they got a good team. I mean. But uh, Dugas and, and Skander, they both, yeah. I think, uh, qualified for qualities of Aussie Open or maybe one of them. I'm not sure. Um, Skander is at 230 or 240 right now, something like that. And then Dugas is also playing well. Two, another two college uh, another two college guys there. So for the people listening, uh, you know, college players are all, all over Davis Cup as well. Um, they don't just play for uh, the professional tour. They also represent countries, so um, pretty high level. And yes, hopefully I can get back into the game, uh, you know, next year sometime. No, we, again, looking forward to seeing it. How would you describe your level? But for the record, I just wanted to say for the Army stuff, you might have been a little bit older, but some have argued you're one of your gener- you're your generation's Tim Duncan. Like, you're a pretty good teammate. And so I'm sure <laughs> in that Army sense, you were able to fit in. But uh, I'm curious yeah. about, you know, because you mentioned it, tennis is very much a repetition sport. And even if the forehand serve backhand might still be there, it's the repetition of the movement, the small steps, the timing, all of yes. those things. How do you feel about your level, your fitness right now, heading into 2023? My fitness is all right. It's obviously been better. The more matches you play, sure. the more used to you, you know you get more used to it. But as far as actual level goes, I would I would like to I would like to think it's pretty high. I mean, based on my results, you know, I played this futures um, tournament uh, three four weeks ago, whatever, and uh, I played. Uh, I think he was a junior guy. Uh, he was an ITF player. Uh, he ended up winning, you know, three titles in a row or something like that. He's actually a very good player. And I thought I wasn't going to do great against him because, you know, he had momentum and all that. But I guess experience helps a little bit. Uh, I lost I lost to him in three sets. Um, not playing my best tennis, obviously. He deserved the win fully. But, um, you know, with more matches under my belt, uh, week in, week out. I think I'm going to get back to it. Uh, I'm not so sure I'm going to reach 2018, 2019 <laughs> uh, peak Petros uh, levels, but um, that's what I'm aiming at least, especially for um, the Davis Cup and all those other country obligations, just because Davis Cup, you know, you play, it's five matches. The winner of three matches wins the tie. So every single game and set is so important there. Um, you don't have a... Uh, you know, repeat match. If you, if you lose, you you know you lose. You you get sent home. So um, also playing against Gander, which I don't like losing to, which is another incentive to me. <laughs> so I, I I hope everything goes well. And you know, obviously we need Melios and and Sergis and Stilianos, also a very young player as well, and Lefteri. So um, yeah, we need the whole team because they're gonna bring it to us, and we're gonna try to bring it to them. Well, that's what I like to hear. I'm going to bet on yes, you. Sir. I think you are going to find – you're right. You're not going to find 2018, 19 levels. You're going to find better. It's going to get even better. Oh, wow, that, wow, wow. That, that, that is that is 
There's, yeah, here's about, well, a hot pro- we're going to because here on December we offer a bunch of off-season predictions. One of my predictions: new career high ranking in 2023. Write it down, folks. Put it on the board for Petros Risokos. That's going to happen uh, in here in the next season. Wow. But, I can't wait. I, I, if you're right, I mean, I gotta give, send you a gift if yeah, you're right. This is my moment. <laughs> this is me being Tony and telling you, hey, you got to win fast. Like, all right, I need this from you now. So fair enough. You know, how yeah. fast do you need that? How fast do you need that personal best? I guess December like, 31st, 2023. Okay, that, yeah, okay, you have the, the full year. All right, yeah, I'll have the so, full year. Okay, okay. Yeah, Tony so, you know, would be like, you know, yeah. you know what would Tony say? April. All right, P, you got until March or April to yeah. reach your uh, top pick, and then you got until probably August to qualify for the Aussie Open, and yeah. then you have until you know December to win a Masters title. And so, he's like, look, yeah, no. I got to get new recruits, so you're not getting a wild card into Winston-Salem. <laughs> like, if you want to get in, Fair it's enough. on your own ranking. So chop, chop. Yeah. Um, all right, I, wouldn't, with, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, with all that yeah, in yeah. mind, you've been very generous with your time. A few more for you, and then I swear I'll let you go. No um, problem. Not Again, not in a political sense, listeners, so relax. But one of my favorite things, looking back at the past, you know, your time, is seeing the smile on your face and how much you freaking enjoyed visiting the White House. And I don't think I actually have had the chance to ask this of you, but they do let national champions go to the White House. And I'm curious for you, I don't know, maybe it's just going from Cyprus to being there, whatever it was. You did. Am I on to something here? It felt like the smile on your face. You particularly enjoyed that day. Yeah, it was kind of a mama. I made it moment. Uh, (laughs) I don't think I. Yeah, I don't think people understand, um, you know, the context of having some young kid from some, you know, city in Cyprus. Nobody has ever heard of um, making it into the big leagues in the States and especially in the White House. Um, And I do understand uh, during that you know, craziness that was going on when Trump was president and everybody was just so negative about, you know, everything going on in the world in general. And I was like, I'm at the White House. I'm I'm from Cyprus. If you told me I'm going to make it in the White House two years ago, the year before, I'd call you so freaking crazy. (laughs) And I just, I just enjoyed that moment so much because I, I know at that moment, I realized that one day I'm going to be telling my kids or my grandkids stories about how I made it into the White House, into the Oval Office from my freaking house in Cyprus, right? So it's, yeah. A, it's a, yeah. And then fun fact, when I posted that picture um, on Instagram, I was getting messages from reporters from Cyprus to you know, talk to them about what happened and what did you say <laughs> and what, and, you know, and, and, and nobody ever cared to, to, to send me a, a message, uh, uh, from a reporter standpoint of view. But as soon as I posted that picture, everybody wanted a little bit of, of the cake, you know, a little yeah, piece of no, the cake. So, I, so it's crazy. Yeah. You have the photo. It's like you, it is a crazy story. You're like, look, let what, me ask and, you this. Does yeah, it, does please. it sound Photoshop? No, uh, it, uh, it does it does it does it look Photoshop? Does it look no, it's real, right? That's the real. Yeah, deal. it is real, but doesn't it, the, the first couple of messages that I got were like, "Is this Photoshop? Like, it I, looks fake." I guess the and, difference for me is I know it's real. It's because I'm like he won, so like I know they got to do this. And again, you, I, I'm really happy you told the story and explained it like that because you can see you were like you're like I am in the midst of a story I'm gonna be telling forever. <laughs> like, this is like, yeah, yeah. So like I gotta yeah. make the most of this, and it's 
I mean, you were at the White House. That is just a cool place to freaking be. Was that the day that they brought in all the McDonald's? Uh, you. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, it was right? actually. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, and then when we were when we were outside, uh, I'm not sure if you watched that clip. Uh, yeah. We were outside, and then the president was giving a speech, mm-hmm. and then you know the, he tried to uh, identify us in the crowd because we were just standing all there, and the only guy who was uh, you know. Uh, you know you could see yeah christian <laughs> look at that guy he's seven foot tall he's like he should be a basketball player that's what he said and we were like boy we're gonna be on tv now yeah. uh, it was crazy it was a crazy experience and and i'm gonna change that moment forever and uh you know it, it was I, i'd like to know if the national champ because i don't know that the, the this details i'd like to know if the, the national champions do they go to the White House or do they specifically go in the Oval Office? Well, or that's it doesn't to matter? me what was fascinating is that I didn't I, – I know they all go to the White House. I didn't know if it's a formal reception. They all get to go in um, and meet the president and go into the Oval Office. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, you yeah. got to go in the freaking Oval Office. That's yeah. incredible. I know. It was, it, was, it was so amazing. I've watched interviews and meetings uh, when – you know, not just that president, presidents of the past, you know, uh, global leaders, they, they they were standing where I was standing. And I'm yeah. like, is this for real? And then the other thing that impressed me was, um, you know, when you're watching somebody on TV and a celebrity in general for so many years, uh, when you see them in person, uh, the first thing you think is, is this really them? Like, is this how they, yeah, is this how they look? Like, for example, if I see, I don't know, just Drake or Kim Kardashian or whatever, if you see them live, you're going to be, is is this really them? And that's exactly what I thought because, you know, you have all these expectations of how people are like and, you know, it it turned out to be a pretty normal, uh, you know, situation for us. But, you know, you don't think you're going to have a normal situation with, you know, the president or any president of any country pretty oh, much. So a hundred percent. No, I mean, I always say whenever I see a tennis player in person, the first thing I notice is what's the difference between you guys and us normal humans is the legs. It's like, Oh yeah, you have pro athlete legs. Um, but <laughs> yeah. then it's like, you know, again, I remember our first meeting. I'm like, Oh, Petrus. Yeah, Cause I think you're a 96, right? You're April 96. Yeah. And yes. I'm like, I'm October 95. I'm like, Petrus is just like my age. I'm like, it's just like another guy. And so, yeah, yeah, there's just another guy, normal. Yeah, know? exactly. And I mean that, by the yeah. way, in the most, in the best sense possible of like, yeah, he's a superstar athlete, but also like, you know, again, he's a guy you can very much relate to. And so that is, again, it's a really cool sequence of photos. It's just, it must have been an extraordinary day. So I had to ask about that. All right. Yes. Rapid fire down the home stretch. No ad scoring. Are you pro it or would you like to see college go back to regular? No way. No ad all the way. Yeah, does it help development? It it helps development. It helps toughness. It helps discipline because you just care about every single point of that game way more. Um, it definitely helped me. And I think even if you have no ad or even if you have advantage, it, the better player is going to win anyway. So uh, that's I mean that's what I think. Uh, yeah. So. No, I love it. Um, NCAAs, they're talking about moving the individual events, singles, doubles to the fall. You had had plenty of fall success during your college career, but would you be pro or against that decision? Oh, boy. I think I would be – well, what is their argument for it? 
is that it, A, by moving it to the fall, you add more importance to the collegiate fall. So it just means ITA, regionals, national indoors, All-Americans, maybe even some of the summer stuff, it matters more. B, by moving NCAA individuals to the fall, now this spring, it's only team stuff. And now you can maybe do things like play around with the dual match format, put doubles after singles in a couple of places, or maybe, you know, I I introduced my idea of the chaotic lineup where instead of one through six, the away team submits a lineup and the home team gets to match up however they'd want for entertainment purposes to make that Louisville versus Wake Forest match at Louisville that much more entertaining. Uh, The idea would be if you do it, you get to play around with things. Fair enough. I mean, in theory, it sounds awesome. Um, You know, it's not, I don't think it's, the end of the world since you have more singles tournaments in the fall anyway. So putting it um, putting it in the fall is not going to, I think, be the end of the world. And I do think in the spring, you need more time to be more flexible yes. with what you can do. So I think, you know, I think that is the most important thing they have to think about. And if by moving singles in the fall does that, then I'm all for it. All right, I like it. Last three. Best player you ever played in college? Oh, boy. Who did Petros Risokos respect the most? Who do I respect the most? Oh, my God. Um, Are you asking who's the best player I've ever faced when I play them? or Because I could say Nori and now he's the best ranking yeah, player. Yeah, no, 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 no. During no. your era. during When you uh, during were in college, okay. who was the guy where you were like, oh, this was Okay, I respected, I respected the most. And it was, if not the toughest, the toughest opponent, Brandon Nakashima. Interesting. Because he almost got you in that quarterfinal. Yes. And, and, and not, not because necessarily level-wise, mm-hmm. it was so freaking difficult to get a face of that guy that he just seemed so unbothered by anything I was doing, anything that it doesn't matter what the score was. It doesn't matter if I said, you know, come on in his face, which I didn't. But even if I did, I'm (laughs) maybe maybe it wasn't at his face. It was towards his face, but it was towards Andreas. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. So, um, but it's just, I don't know. I think I respect calm players that I, I don't, I can't get through them mentally. I respect them more um, than insanely good players that are just, you know, so flamboyant and explosive, of course. So I'm going to say Brandon Nakashima. If you ask me next year, I can probably think about a different one. But <laughs> but uh, but Brandon was was very, very, very tough. Well, it's beat. fascinating to hear you say that because when you look at him now, top 50 pro in the world, it is how steady he is. You just feel like he's going to do what he wants to do, and it'll either work or it doesn't, but it's probably going to work. Did you sense that when he was that young? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was – It was, It was. was. I could definitely see – how this guy is going to be a real problem once he has, you know, his forehand was a little bit, uh, I remember Bigger, the scouting, yeah. The, yeah, the scouting on Brandon was uh, after the surf go big on his forehand because his swing was too big and he was a bit slow. So he would, you know, mm. um, put the ball high on my forehand and I would just finish the point. His backhand is world class, yeah. is not even a joke. I don't think I won a back-and-to-back-and rally with that guy like ever. So <laughs> I had to go down the line with my backhand and change that, uh, change that rally a little bit. But uh, I could see that with the right 
you know, he, he did the right thing by going pro. Um, I don't remember how many years he was at UVA before going uh, two. Just was the one. Two or three? No, just the one. Oh, just one? Because he had a huge uh, fall on the pro circuit oh, on a challenger right. success, and so he left. That that was a decent decision, yeah. <laughs> I guess. But, but uh, <laughs> good decision by Brandon, man. If you're listening, good, good for you, man. But uh, he, yes, he was, and I think his demeanor on the court is, helped him a lot. He's he's been very calm and very disciplined. So, um, yeah, That's good. I like it. Yeah. All right, you beat UVA, you beat UNC, or you win an NCAA title at home. Which of the three you get to pick one to repeat right now? I tell you, tomorrow this is happening. Probably the last one. Yeah, but it's closer because, than you think. Uh, because, because, yeah, it's closer than I think. But uh, I'll tell you what, it it hurt so bad when we lost to Texas, and I thought, God damn, I'm not gonna have two national championships. I'm only gonna have one team national championship. So I really wanted two uh, because I knew I didn't have another senior year to repeat that. Uh, so it, it does hurt that I ha- only have one. Not that that's bad or anything, but I, it does hurt that Barbotzer has more than I do. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm, I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah, a national champ. I don't think any rivalry in college beats a national championship simply because no matter what sport you choose, even if you go to, like, UNC Duke and you ask, you know, basketball, if you ask them, would you like to beat your rival or win a national championship – I, w- I dare you to find somebody that says that would be my rival. You know, it's just a national championship pinnacle of college tennis. Um, you get a ring, you probably go to the White House. You know, yeah. nothing beats the reputation after that. So definitely national championship. Absolutely. Well, last one for you. I can sort of hear it in your vote voice. Not tomorrow, but we'll say three years. No, 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 because I need the career high. You ride it out. So we'll say like 12 years from now. Tony Bresky calls. He says, P, I want you to come back and be my assistant at Wake Forest. You taking the job? Is there a world where we see you coaching college tennis someday? 100%. It is is definitely something that, you know, I thought of doing. I'm still a little bit young for my liking to to, uh, commit and devote my life to college tennis. If I do something, I do it all the way. So I wouldn't want to be that guy that comes, you know, for a year or two and then coaches and then uh, goes back home. Obviously, it is a, a life decision for me because I'm not from the States. Um, I'm, I, I have to kind of move there sure. <laughs> and, and bring everybody there um, with me or leave everyone behind, friends, family included. So it is something that you will see me do. That is for sure. I hope you are still as successful and even more successful in college tennis by the time I get to college as a coach. So you can, you know, cover or talk about some of uh, my failed coaching (laughs) tactics potentially. But um, I don't know. Do you think I'll be a good coach? Exceptional. So here's what I have my offer to you. There's so – Steiny's got the job as long as he wants it. After his, it's Becker's. But I like to think I'm third in the line of succession right now at Michigan. (laughs) All I ask is that when it's my time, when I give you that call of I really need you because, like, I don't have the playing chops. But if you, like, if you can give me that lens of credibility, I'll do the fundraising and I'll do the stupid (laughs) shit. And then we can just go out there, roll the balls out, and compete. You got to promise me you'll at least take the call. I will definitely take the call. I will also visit and we can have, we can sit down and talk about it. And you know, you, you, 
I I don't know. I if you told me right now I'm going to have let's say 10 years from now these offers on the table from these schools, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I would I would you know pick. Um, but obviously it's it's such a privilege to be able to coach any of these big schools. Yeah. Uh, I I wonder how the head coaches and even some of the assistant coaches feel when they coach uh, some of this so much responsibility and 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 managing the players. So I yeah I think I'll I'll do an okay job uh, for now. Hopefully in ten years I'll have more expertise and <laughs> and knowledge and 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 whatnot. But I really hope you're gonna still be there. Yeah, do do the way you're doing and doing it better and bigger. Uh, it will be lovely to see. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. And again, I said it at the top. We're full circle here at the end. I promise you, we would not be doing what we still do today here at Cracked Rackets had it not been for people like you and Will Blumberg and. I mean, I can point Ben Goldberg, so many different names I can point to over the years who have embraced our nonsense. And uh, still the greatest I've seen compete on a college tennis court. I knew if it was crunch time, <laughs> Petros is getting the win. And it's actually, it's funny because I'll always say this, 2019, I, I tell this story all the time, Dalton Thieneman, who is does one of our do-everythings here at yeah. Cracked Rackets, his wedding was the NCAA tournament 2019 weekend. And I was really hungover on a golf course as that NCAA, tur- uh, NCAA <laughs> final is going on. And you guys lose to, to Texas. And like, no disrespect to Bruce Burke, whom I love now. Shout out to the Longhorns. But at the time, I was devastated. I was like, well, this sucks. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, I was like, if Petros wins, he comes on the show. Like, it's great for the numbers. Like, this ruins everything. And yeah. so just know, like, I felt it too, my friend. And you, just, yeah. and you will always have a uh, soft spot for you here at Crack Rackets. We will always have a spot for Thank you, you on so the show Thank you so much. I well. appreciate I appreciate all your kind words. Um, yes, I still remember that first uh, kind of contact back in the day and uh you know it's going to be remembered always um i hope i hope you have all the success in the world uh you deserve it um and as i said this is an understatement but college tennis wouldn't be anywhere near where it is in terms of exposure uh fun all the silly talk we enjoy silly talk because we're, we're just silly we like being silly and debating and all that um and uh, yeah, I hope you keep doing it. And and I wish you were at the college um, kind of tennis industry way before. Um, obviously, social media helped a lot. Um, you know, they didn't have social media back in in fifteen years when 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 you, the UVAs were such a powerhouse and whatnot. But uh, yes, um, I wish you all the best, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope we we I hope I see you. Uh, I hope I see you when I get to the States sometime um, and we we're gonna, we can have a chat and a and, and nice cold beer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now we can have that cold beer. Yeah, um, we can. Now yeah, allowed. exactly. No, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I agree. Uh, I really appreciate you saying all of those things. And uh, yeah, again, uh, always a pleasure to get – I told you before the show this was just an excuse for us to catch up. And I feel like we exactly. got to catch up. So Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Was, so much. Yeah, man. So yeah. much to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But thank you as always. It's a pleasure. Be safe, be healthy, and happy holidays obviously to you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with 2018 NCAA singles champion and our dear friend here at Cracked Rackets, Petros Frisokos. Remember to learn more about his new venture, Elite Scholars Sports Agency. Head on over to his Instagram. You can Google the agency as well. It will take you to the website. If I had to help, needed help, I should say, figuring out where I should play in college or wanted to offer guidance for my kid, I'll say this. There's few people I can think of better to offer that guidance than Petros, who sincerely cared so much about not only his himself and his results, but his teammates throughout the course of his collegiate career. And again, that is why it's always such a pleasure uh, to have the chance to speak with him, appreciate all the goofy stories, insight he shared. And I promise this will not be the last we hear from Petros here at Cracked Rackets. With all that said, again, we're rocking and rolling. Off-season content is strong here at Cracked Rackets. We're counting down our top 10 Division I men's and women's college tennis teams heading into 2023 over on the GSP. Countless pro tennis topics being covered over on the Mini Break podcast feed. All of that going to be available wherever you listen to your podcast or on the redesigned Cracked Rackets website, which will be unveiled later this week. A shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all all of this content possible. Again, a massive shout out to our dear friends at Swing Vision. Remember, use our promo code CRACK20 to have access to the best artificial intelligence technology in all of the tennis world. With all of that said, for the spectacular Petros Risokos, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.